Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. You bet, Freddie Coleman, our overnight voice here on ESPN Radio, late night on after the game, and he essentially asked the question many in Philly are wondering, how long is this first place 2-4-1 record going to last? We'll see. Next up for Philly, off the week, 10 days from now, we'll take on the Dallas Cowboys. Then they get a bye, then they get a Giants. And then after that, they win those two games, key their 4-4-1. Four, four, you have that heading into the backstretch of the schedule with the guy that Key said, that you just heard, is the best quarterback in the division at this moment because the guy in Big Deal will be out for the next four to six months. And suddenly, all the turmoil in Philadelphia off that short week and the demolishing at the hands of the Ravens, things are looking up relative to the schedule. And Carson Wentz finally looked like Carson Wentz for the first time all season. He played well. Carson Wentz certainly played well. The football was flying off his hand, out of his hands, imprecise, in rhythm. Some of the things that he was able to do, back shouldering guys, uh, you know, just putting a football where you can catch it. And I and I like the way he played. Uh, he played with confidence last night. You could certainly tell when you think about it. They got matchups that they wanted, whether it was Jabril Preppers on Scott, they're running back out of the backfield, but he he recognized he recognized exactly what that was. Uh, he was able to deliver the ball. The guy made a terrific catch, but he put it only where his guy could catch it. And that's what he's paid to do. And he, you know, they got out of there with a win. They got out of there with a win against the giant team. The one thing I would say, now you just tell me from your football perspective, I'm watching this as a fan. So I'm watching this game last night and then I'm watching their previous game against the Ravens. When he ran out onto the field against the Ravens four or five days ago, when you're watching that game, I said to myself, nobody can possibly regress this much in a year. There's no way he is as bad as it looks. Essentially, the offensive line is decimated. Kelsey's there at the center position, but everywhere else they're decimated. But just from a macro sense key, and I know he's thrown to guys like Boston Scott who barely scraped onto the roster a couple years ago. I get it. But when I look at a guy that is a $128 million quarterback, and he's just lost it. He has totally lost it from one year to the other, and he's that talented, and he was talented enough to get that money. Key, the only thing I think is, yes, some of it's on him, but it can't all be on him because nobody can decelerate from 60 to zero at that age. I get it. If you're 34 going to 35, 39 going to 40, not when you're Carson Wentz's age and with what he has been able to do. So when I saw him play better last night, I thought to myself, this is more along the lines of what we should expect. All of the carnage that's been put on him, I just don't think a lot of it is deserved. I just I can't see a guy well, struggling that much year over year and saying it's on him. A lot, uh, Not a lot. Half of it or some of it or whatever percentage you want to give him is deserved. For sure. And but not the lion's share, is it? He's the quarterback. He's the quarterback of the team. So the, when you, what, what happens as a reporter covering for many years – the first thing you do is you run to the quarterback when they win. So you run to the quarterback when they lose. That's just what it is. He has contributed to their losses because he's turned the ball over. He's been careless with the football, and that's one of the reasons that they lose. Last night he made some throws that helped them win the game, and that's what you expect from a guy that you give $128 million to. He had Deshaun Jackson back in the lineup, so it made him look a little bit better on the outset. As soon as Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson 
on the reverse pass, I mean, reverse to him, the first play of the game, I'm like, okay, this is getting ready to be something. Then Carson Wentz drops back, second play of the game, he throws a little eight-yard hitch to Deshaun Jackson. So you started to see, okay, they're building his confidence, and he's going to play better against them. One of the best throws that he made on the night was a, what I would call sprint right option, was just a simple pass in the flat to Ward. When he sprinted to him, he put the football in front of him where he could reach out and get it. He didn't throw it behind him. He didn't twist and turn. It was vintage quarterback, $120 million NFL guy. And that's what you want to see. If he could do it on a more consistent basis, we don't have to sit up here after game talking about how bad Carson Wentz looked, and that's why the Eagles are suffering. Every Monday, or I guess in this case every Friday, Doug Peterson will go out there in front of the media and essentially say, I never had any doubts about Carson Wentz. He is my guy. But are there any doubts about letting Jimmy G go in New England with – the 49ers coming to town this weekend. We want to hear from you right now on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at KeyJNZ, or you can call us at 888-729-3776. We also want you to call and talk to our gambling expert, Joe Fortenbaugh. You want to talk about anything, big college football, big 10's back. You want to gamble on a little big 10? Let's do that. You want to gamble on a little NFL? Gamble on the chances the Tiger makes the cut at the Zozo, the World Series tonight? Anything you want for Joe from Daily Wager, our Monday through Friday gambling show, 888-SAY-ESPN. Get your place in line right now, 888-729-3776. Key last thing on the Eagles, I mentioned they got the Cowboys so they can create more separation next Sunday night, not this Sunday, but 10 days from now. Then they get the bye, then they get the Giants. You win those games, you're 4-4-1. It's the worst division in football, but here comes the murderer's row. This is going to be from late November to early December. This is going to be the three-game stretch that I don't know will win the NFC East. Remember, the Eagles won it on the final day of the regular season last year. Remember that? They knocked Mm -hmm. out the Cowboys. It went down to the very final day. Three-game stretch. Boom, boom, boom. They'll get the Seahawks. Then they'll get the Packers on a short week. And then they will get the Saints. Seahawks, Packers, Saints. If they can get to treading water, then that late stretch could determine Carson Wentz and company's fate. It, it could. Yeah. That, you know, in between sandwich in between that is, is green Bay. So when you look at, as you said, murderers row, Seattle back in saints by then, I'm sure Michael Thomas will be back fully healthy. And in the middle, I don't know if Devontae Adams will be back fully healthy or not. He should be back. He played last week. They could probably clip a Green Bay if they if they're they're healthy, which as healthy as they can be. I, I know Deshaun left the game last night. I don't know what his injury is. Is I'll ask Di- Diana Rossini when she uh, joins us later on the show if she has any updates on Deshaun Jackson's injury. Um, without Deshaun in the lineup at the receiver position, they're a different team, man. They're, you, they're just a different team. If you were watching late last night, it actually happened late in the fourth quarter on a giant special team or just essentially landed on him. And we'll wait to see what Diana says. She'll join us at 930. If it means anything, the last two games for the Eagles, both of the division, obviously we know that would be the case in week 17, but they close with Dallas and Washington. So that could be very big at the end of the season. Speaking of Diana, she's breaking some big news this morning. Again, she'll be with us on the program at 930 Eastern. A source telling Diana... The Raiders' Trent Brown wasn't wearing a tracking device at all times in their facility. 
And if you're wondering, Trent Brown was actually diagnosed with COVID-19, and that's why this game, in some cases, is in peril or has been moved off of Sunday night football. That would be the Bucks and the Raiders we're talking about. Brown plays for the Raiders. And essentially, Diana's saying the tracking device was not put on at all times. And there were instances of fellow offensive linemen, Trent Brown plays on the line, unmasked together on the sidelines during practice when the team was what they call in intensive protocols. And that's essentially making sure all in-person meetings are in Zoom. Everybody is wearing a mask. That means there's point of care testing. That means they can test it right there. They don't have to take it to a lab. All of those things are what intensive protocols are all about. And Diana said he broke one of those rules, which essentially was not wearing his tracking device. Again, Diana will be with us at 9.30 Eastern. This morning, we'll look forward to talking to her. This Sunday, Diana is actually covering the game between Pittsburgh and Tennessee, the battle of unbeatens. Key, let's get your quick thoughts on that matchup. This is a game, remember, this is the game that was postponed from several weeks ago after the Titans had those 24 members test positive for COVID-19. They postponed it to week seven, and it's hard to believe it's been three weeks. It feels like three months, but we are now here. What are you seeing about these two battle of unbeatens, the top of the AFC? Very similar in, in their style of play and what they do. Defensively, I think that Pittsburgh is slightly better from a defensive edge. If they could continue to get better in the secondary, um, I think that they will be the better defense. But in terms of weapons, Pittsburgh has more on the offensive side, I believe, than Tennessee. Tennessee has Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, but you still got the running game in Connor. You still have Big Ben. You still got the receiving core with Washington, Juju, along with the emerging Chase Claypool, the rookie out of Notre Dame. So that, to me, is a lot that Tennessee has to try to figure out how to handle. Plus, you got a veteran coach in Mike Tomlin that I believe arguably is one of the top five here. Head coaches in the NFL. I would even put him in the top four head coaches in the NFL. I might go top three when you think about it. Well, it could be a right? top three. My my litmus test on that key, just as in a quick aside, my litmus test is if they called you tomorrow and said you were gone, how quickly could you get another head coaching job tomorrow? Yeah, and I think I think by the time the uh, Tomlin hung up the phone, <laughs> the phone would be ringing again. Yeah, because you you go Belichick, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin. I mean, you know, Sean Payton, Pete Carroll. I mean, you could kind of. You know, those those five guys, I mean, f- for what it's worth. How about this? For only for what it's worth, this will be the eighth matchup. I kind of find this hard to believe because I know we generally have at least one undefeated team that can go down the length of the season and make Mercury Morris and those 72 Dolphins sweat. This is just the eighth matchup in the 101-year history of the league. The eighth matchup between teams that are 5-0 and or better. That is stunning to me. I, I understand it's tough to win every game and all that, but think is- about that. Is the Bucks and the Jets on there? The Bucks and the Jets. Yes. With with regard to what? Five and zero, five and zero. I feel like we were five and zero and five and zero when we played each other in two thousand. The Jets and the Bucks. Oh, okay. But think about that. Not even ten matchups between teams that are five and zero. I just you see teams zip out to quick starts. Just a little surprising if you're wondering. The Steelers are five and zero. For the first time since 1978, which also actually surprises me considering how great they have been. And the Titans actually started 10-0. Remember that one? Back in 2008. That was a long time ago. So both of these teams certainly. Jeff Fisher, he'd (laughs) like to have that back, huh? (laughs) By the way, our staff is amazing back there. That game you just referenced, Jets Uh Bucks, 3-0 Versus three and zero, so three battle and three. of undefeated. Yeah, I knew it was. Und- I just it was so long ago. I wasn't sure if we were five and zero or. F- I just remember it was undefeated in all the hype. 
You got it. So a battle of undefeated is this Yeah, weekend. shut up, Evan. We lost. Okay, I don't want to hear it. Hey, Evan just helped us out with that stat. He could assist in the box score for our he man. He say it verbally, but I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel it in his brain. We can feel on a Friday there is no better guest with high energy than Joe Fortenbaugh. He is the host or one of the hosts of ESPN's Daily Wager alongside Doug Kazarian. <laughs> he also hosts our digital show, Bet, which is pretty self-explanatory. He's so funny. What's He's that? in my ear talking about What's he halfback pass, Curtis Martin to Wayne Corbett. Corbett, ha-ha. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> two Jet oh legends. God. If you're too young for those guys, Curtis Martin, one of the that I think was, that was the winning play. It was the winning play of the yes, game. Yes, it was the winning play of the game. I get it. I understand. <laughs> All right, Curtis Martin, Wayne Krebet. You have to be old school Jet fans uh, to get those two. Curtis Martin, one of the greatest rushers in NFL history for sure. Okay, so Joe is ready. Let's get started again. Daily wager bet our gambling show. He's on Game Day Radio all day Saturday. If you're looking to place a bet while watching all the games. On Saturday, uh, good morning. Um, let's just start with Tennessee and Pittsburgh and the late and the wager to lay there, Joe. Just a quick note, Keyshawn. That is something else when your brain can go back basically twenty years to make that pull out of nowhere, and then all you end up doing is getting thrown under the bus for it. Yeah, that's fine. It's no not not a big deal. I'm you. I'm used to getting thrown under the bus on this show. <laughs> all right, back to the question at hand. To the two undefeated teams, battle of unbeaten. That's what we're going to hear about all weekend. This line has has taken some money on Tennessee. There was a big swing around Tuesday into Wednesday, I believe it was, where Pittsburgh was sitting as a one to a two point favorite, and you had about a two and a half to three point move, depending on the sports book, to where Tennessee became the favorite. So the action so far this week has been on the Titans. It's gotten it all the way to Tennessee minus one. I disagree with that. I'm going to be playing the Steelers this weekend. I like them a lot more than other people do, apparently. But here's what it comes down to. Not all unbeaten teams are created equally. Pittsburgh is very well balanced. Top three in total defense, scoring defense, opponent yards per play. Very opportunistic. At the same time on offense, Roethlisberger's completing 69% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, one interception. A very smart, efficient season. They can also run the ball as well. I believe they're top 10 in rushing offense. They bring all of it to the table, and you guys were just talking about it. Very well coached under Mike Tomlin. I mean, the guy went 8-8 eight eight last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as his quarterback. He should have gotten a lot more votes for coach of the year. On the other side, Tennessee has been fantastic. Vrabel's doing an excellent job. But remember a couple things. Defensively, they have struggled. 26th in total defense, 28th in opponent yards per play. At the same time, this team has been living on the edge all season. They're 5-0. and Four of their wins have come by a grand total of just 12 points against teams with a combined record of 5-18. and The Broncos, the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Texans. For me, I'm going to be taking the points with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Joe, if I decide to drop some money on something and I go Buffalo Jets minus Buffalo minus 12 and a half, what should I do? How much money should I lay? I'm going to want you to hold your nose and I'm going to want you to not watch the game. But (laughs) I would be playing the Jets in this spot. I think that there's been enough of a line move here from Bills minus 10 to as high as Bills minus 13. I think that's been too much of an adjustment. I don't like the spot for Buffalo. Some will disagree with me. There's a good discussion in there. Buffalo for the last two weeks has played short rest games. They had to play that Tuesday game against Tennessee. Then they had to turn around and play a Monday game against the Chiefs. Now they go from Monday to Sunday. So they don't get the full week to prepare, which is something that the Jets are going to get. 
Sam Darnold could play in this game. That's why we saw the line move yesterday from uh, Jets plus 13 down to about Jets plus 12 and a half, Jets plus 12, depending on where you're looking. But next week, Buffalo has New England. And if Buffalo's ever had a shot to topple the Patriots and take that division, it's this year. So it's possible that coming off those two short week games, then looking ahead to the New England Patriots, it's possible that you look at the Jets and you think to yourself, ah, it's the Jets. They're 0-6 straight up. They're 0-6 against the spread. Everyone's been running through them. We'll get by these guys. Let's turn our attention to New England. It's possible. The back door's wide open in this game. I'd be leaning to the Jets. Speaking of let's pay attention, let's pay attention to our callers. Hit us up right now, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Your gambling questions. For Joe Fortenbaugh, if you're not by a phone, go ahead and tweet the question into Keith. J and Z on our Twitter feed. We'll take a look at it there and see if Joe can answer. All right, Roger in the great state of Iowa. You're on ESPN Radio. Fire away. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, Joe, what you thought of that Clemson line is so big, uh, 46 points. Great question. This could be a record breaker, challenging some of those Florida state lines from back in the 90s, laying in the neighborhood of 46 against Syracuse. Couple factors here as to why I would go with Clemson, and I know it sounds crazy. And that's before you even break down the fact that Syracuse has been terrible this season. Number one, if memory serves me correctly, the last time we saw Clemson lose a, an ACC game or a regular season game was, what, 37 games ago when they got beat by Syracuse, who also came back to give them a subsequent scare. So you know Dabo's been talking about that all week. Number two, I, as well as many others, are convinced Dabo is making it a point to run up the score and to run up Trevor Lawrence's numbers so he can get him the Heisman Trophy. He wasn't even invited to the ceremony last year. It's a bit of a revenge tour here. Put up the big numbers, pad the stats. If I'm doing anything with that, I would be laying the big number. That's a great point for everything Lawrence has done. Still no Heisman, but this year (laughs) he's the runaway leader. River in Wichita, you're on ESPN Radio. Hi, I was wondering what you thought about the Packers and Texans game. Interesting. Very interesting. I found myself on the wrong end of a lot of Texans games this year. I'll tell you that much. Green Bay last week goes out. They go to Tampa Bay. They lose that game. They look horrible. So you would expect a better week of practice. Matt LaFleur even said after the game, uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers commented on it as well, they had practiced so poorly that week getting ready for Tampa Bay. So you get humiliated. You lose that game. You're coming off the bye. Going into Tampa Bay, you would think, you would think that they would be ready for this game and they would play well. The fact that the line has not moved in this game terrifies me. It opened around Green Bay laying three and a half on the road. It's still Green Bay minus three and a half on the road. We saw last week the Packers have the same issues as they had last year. They struggled to stop the run defensively. They couldn't step up and make any key plays at any key spots when they needed it in the last game, if anything. And I advise a big caution on this, but if anything, I would be taking the points with the home dog Houston Texans. Kenny in Orlando, you're on ESPN Radio. Fire away to Joe. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of other analysts talk about Saints-Panthers over-under, taking the over at 51, but before I put my money down, I want to get it from the main man. Good question. If I was going to do anything in this game with the Saints coming off the bye, I'd probably be getting involved with a six-point teaser. It's where you take two teams, not one but two. It's kind of like a parlay, and you have six points to influence the line in each game. So I would tease the Saints from seven and a half down to one and a half, and then I'd take it and I'd pair it with the Chargers, and I'd tease them from seven and a half down to one and a half as well. You got the trick, 
because you get the six points in each game, is that you got to win both of them in order to win the bet. As for the total here, it's been very tough to bet against the overs in the NFL, at least early in the season. They were cashing at about 60% because we saw a couple key factors. Number one, road teams were having more success scoring points because they didn't have to deal with crowd noise. They were able to easily communicate at the line of scrimmage. Number two, the NFL wasn't calling a lot of holding penalties this season. The holding penalties are way down, and those, as Keyshawn knows, can be drive killers. So as a result, we've been seeing a ton of scoring. Now, the unders have come to roost the last few weeks. They're starting to have their day. So I'm keeping an eye on unders in Saints-Panthers. That Panther defense has struggled a little bit this year. We know they can put up some points. 51, I'd be leaning to the under there. Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN's Daily Wager and our digital show, Bet. He's the host of that. That one's pretty self-explanatory, right? He's here to make you money. uh, Josh in Ohio, you're on ESPN Radio. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking about taking uh, Oklahoma State, lane of three. What do you think about that? Interesting question. You and I would be on the opposite side of the spectrum for that one. I really like Iowa State this weekend. They're catching three and a half in some spots. That's where I'd want to play it. Oklahoma State, there are two factors that worry me. Number one, we haven't seen them for three weeks due to COVID stuff. So how are they going to look? Are they going to be sharp? Number two, the weight of the pressure of winning the Big 12. If there was going to be a year, much like for Buffalo and the AFC East, if there was going to be a year for Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy, this would be it. We've already seen the flaws with Oklahoma. We've seen the flaws with Texas. This is the year for Oklahoma State. So I'm wondering how the team's going to handle that pressure. Oh, by the way, you're going to welcome in Iowa State this weekend, who are the upset gods of the Big 12. They already got Oklahoma earlier this year. I think we forgot about them after they lost in week one to Louisiana. They were upset themselves. People kind of turned away from Matt Campbell's crew, and all he's done since then is beat TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. If I'm doing anything here, I would take the three and a half with the Cyclones. You can make an argument they have the best quarterback and running back in the conference, folks. This is Iowa State with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. John in Green Bay, you're on ESPN Radio. How you doing, guys? What up? Hey, Joe. uh, i got a question about the Big Ten. Uh, Three games, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State game. Can you see an upset in the making in any of those three games? I love it. Comes firing in with the Big Ten and three games. I would say this as well. Don't sleep on the Mountain West. They're back, too, and we finally have some late games that you can bet on if you want to double down your money. San Diego State's going to be hosting UNLV. You also have San Jose State hosting Air Force. All we need is a Hawaii home game, and we're back to normal. I would say if in any of those three games, Ohio State's not getting upset. They're going to come in. They should run through the Big Ten this season. The one that worries me is my own personal alma mater. It's Penn State traveling to Indiana. The line keeps coming down. Penn State should go in there. They should. They should have no problem handling the Hoosiers. But the more I look at this game, it feels like the ticket count and the majority of the bets are going to be on Penn State. But the money's on Indiana. It's knocked this thing all the way down to about five and a half. That worries me. That's the game I would look at as the upset special. Indiana potentially getting Penn State. Key, you got a baseball one, right? Yeah, I want to, the, the, the World Series, the Dodgers minus 200 for the entire deal. I would say you're going to get two Walker Bueller starts from here on out. So I would lean to the Dodgers to win the series at this point. If you're looking for a play in tonight's game, Bueller versus Charlie Morton, fantastic pitching matchup. Uh, Bueller's laying about 150, so it's a little bit pricey. I'm going to make it a little easier, at least a little less risky. 
I'm going to take the Dodgers on the run line, minus one and a half. That's essentially a point spread. So the Dodgers have to win by two in order for me to win this bet. Four, two, five, three. Those are all outcomes that would be favorable. Why, you ask? Charlie Morton is fantastic as he's been. He's a right-handed pitcher. The Dodgers mash right-handed pitching. First in home runs, second in OPS, second in weighted runs created, second in WOBA. Love WOBA. They mash right-handed pitching. On the flip side, You've got Bueller going against the Rays. The Rays struggle against righties. They hit lefties a lot better than they hit righties. I like the Dodgers to win by two or more runs tonight. It's around even money. And that is everything you need to know from Joe Fortenball. Again, you can catch him on Daily Wager, our digital show bet, and tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Joe, thank you very much. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Good luck this weekend. All right, Big Joe. Good luck. And as he mentions, with Hawaii, they normally have the last kickoff of the weekend when they Jeez. play at home because they're way out there on the islands. And as the gamblers will tell you, if you've had a bad day, bet on Hawaii. Because if you win, it's time to get even. Or if you lose, even worse. It, it, I remember growing up, not necessarily growing up, but when I was in college, you get that Hawaii Pacific game. It's like, I'm up watching Hawaii and Pacific play. But hey, I must really like football. Yeah. Timmy Chang, he was really great back in the day. Old school reference for the folks. Still to come, when Daniel's arms had trouble keeping up with the Joneses' legs. You see this last night? Wait till we talk about it. Next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Daniel Jones and Love and Mulligan to do over on this play in the third quarter. It's a keeper Jones up the right side of the field. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He could go all the way. He stumbles and goes down outside the 10. Now, for real, that was not Chris Berman. That was an Excellent imitation of the most embarrassing play of the NFL season last night. Daniel Jones tripping on his way to the end zone from Key himself. Do you have any other imitations? That was Key imitating Berman. You got any others? Yeah, I have some as time goes on. When you work with a guy for as long as I work with him, you get it. You pick up some habits. And we'll see again in this postseason for NFL primetime in the playoffs. Boomer and Key reunited again. You just heard that on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Let's hear from Daniel Jones on tripping on his way 
to six instead, getting tripped up and falling at the eight. Tried to run faster than I was running and, and uh, got caught up. So uh, we finished the drive, scored a touchdown. So that was a relief uh, to me for sure. The Giants sit at one and six. Let's bring in Chris Canty, the former defensive end, the Super Bowl champion for the G-Men. He joins us this morning. He's the host of DiPietro, Canty, and Rothenberg on 98.7 in New York, ESPN 98.7 in New York, with his show starting at 9 a.m. Eastern every weekday. Chris, you know, Key said earlier that he thought that uh, Joe Judge, despite the record, is doing a pretty darn good job. I'm not a football player, but I see with my eyes that they're pretty much in every game. They're not getting blown out. How do you think he's done despite that record? Well, I think Joe, Do- Joe Judge has done a solid job of getting his team to go out there and compete. I mean, with the exception of that blowout against the 49ers when they had Nick Mullen starting, the Giants have been in every single game. Every game has been a fourth-quarter game, so you can appreciate that when you put it into context and compare it to what we saw the previous three years when the Giants have had the worst record in football. So. I'll give Joe Judge credit for that, but you're you're still frustrated because the record is what it is. And Key and I played for a head coach in Bill Parcells that says you are what your record says you are. And at one and six, the Giants are one of the worst teams in football. What was your reaction to how they played last night against the Eagles? They had a chance clearly to win that game, lost it late. Well, it's frustrating, Key, because I thought the defense played well, and there's a lot to like there on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you you were were able to have some productivity in the run game. They rushed for, I want to say, 160 yards. And so the Giants were were 30th in the NFL going into last night's game. So you, you like to see that they had a little more balance with the offense. And then you saw some splash plays from Daniel Jones. I mean, the slot fade to Golden Tate was a great ball, gave his receiver a chance to make a play, ends up resulting in a touchdown. And then you saw the 80-yard run off the zone read action. And then that third and seven at the end of the game, right before the two-minute warning, that was a dime that he threw to Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram makes that play, you're probably talking about a different result this morning. The 80-yard run that you referenced, but it could have been 100 if he didn't stumble. <laughs> yeah, but they still punched it in for a touchdown. Key Wayne Gallman punched it in on first and goal, so stop. No, no but it's embarrassing, stop. though. You, you take every opportunity on, to take a shot at, at the Giants, man. Chill out. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though. Is he the long-term solution at the quarterback spot? That's to be determined, Key. And as much as I like Daniel Jones, he, he turns the ball over an awful lot. I mean, last night was his 20th game. He's got 34 turnovers. Wow. So if he continues to turn the ball over at that rate, then you're, you're going to have to go another direction when it comes to the quarterback position. Because all of the things that we, we, we like about Daniel Jones, for all of the good things that he does on the football field, your team can't afford for your quarterback to turn the ball over as much as Daniel Jones has turned the ball over now. There are some, some things that you would wish were different. You wish some he got some more help from guys on the offensive side of the ball, Evan Ingram being one of them. Also, Andrew Thomas in that offensive line. Andrew Thomas did not look great coming back from being, you know, having to sit down for one game because it was late to a meeting. Uh, I mean, the offensive line against the Washington football team played a lot better than they did last night. And unfortunately, Andrew Thomas is swimming at the left tackle spot. I mean, Derek Barnett put him in the spin cycle, and then he didn't pick up uh, Nathan Gary on the blitz off of the edge. That's a simple stunt that every NFL defense runs. Uh, I mean, I understand that he's a rookie, and it's going to take some time, and it's only a sixth game. But but I got to tell you this, Key. Evan Ingram is starting to approach Eric Flowers' territory in terms of my level of concern about his ability to do the job. As you continue to look at your level of concern about different players that Dave Gettleman has brought in 
to the Giants organization and trying to surround him, Daniel Jones, that is, with playmakers, a lack thereof. Saquon Barkley obviously hurt. Ingram, you just mentioned, there are no real true young home run hitters outside of Darius Slayton at the receiver position. What do you make of the job that Gettleman has done, given the fact that he also ignored red flags of Baker to corner that's no longer on a team they drafted in the late first round a couple of years ago? What do you make of the job that he's done, and could he potentially be on his way out? Yeah, I think Dave Gettleman leaves a lot to be desired. Now, he, he has some good moves. I mean, Leonard Williams is starting to come on this year, so it's making that trade that he made last year look a little bit better. Darius Slayton was a fine in the fifth round. I thought that was a solid move. I mean, there are some things that have been done that you look at and you say, okay, Dave Gettleman, I, I see where he's going in terms of trying to create an identity for this team. But, I, I mean, there's also, you know, taking Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick. I mean, I don't know if that was necessarily the right move, especially when you talked about a draft class that had five quarterbacks going the first round that year. So that's something where you can put a bit of a question mark because the team was clearly rebuilding. Um, Andrew Thomas is another one. DeAndre Baker is another one. So, I mean, Dave Gettleman's draft record, I mean, it, again, it leaves a lot to be desired, and I think it's fair to question his job security at this point. No question. Let's just clean that up. Barkley with the second overall pick. Chris on the fence. Andrew Thomas with the fourth overall pick. This past season, he has struggled. Daniel Jones with the sixth overall pick. And if you can't make three top ten picks work, if none of those work out, you're in huge, huge trouble. And just uh, the Eric Flowers point, for people that don't follow the Giants on a daily basis, that is considered, and the guys hate when I use this word, but that is considered one of the Giants' all-time biggest busts. I know the pro athletes don't like the B-word bust, but that is a big issue. You also mentioned DeAndre Baker, a first-round pick. He's also had a lot of legal problems, and so it has been a mess for the Giants up and down. Hey, I can't let you go, Chris, without mentioning that you and my man Key spent one year in Dallas together. That was 2005. And earlier this week, our Bart Scott, who played 11 years in the league, unloaded on the Dallas Cowboys and their roster and their players when he said this, and I'm kind of wondering, was he referencing you or Key when Bart opened his mouth and said this? Whenever I ever played a Dallas Cowboys team, it was always the softest team I've ever played. I don't think he was talking about me. <laughs> I mean, I see, I see Bart Scott every single day. He comes to work at ESPN New York, and he's never said anything about me being a soft football player. I know he wasn't talking about yeah. me. So Yeah, I, I know I, he wasn't talking I, about me. I know he wasn't talking about me. Oh, okay, Key. I didn't uh, say he was talking about you. Okay. I'm just saying I know he wasn't talking about me. Well, I mean, Bart Scott got an awful lot to say for somebody that ain't got no jewelry on his finger. Ooh. Awful lot to say. Because you're a Super Bowl champion. Just, so just saying. Key. I, got, I, I won and played in the Super Bowl and did well. I'm, I'm happy with my career. Bart Scott is married. He may have a wedding ring. <laughs> that, that, may be, that may be true, but you can't listen to Thick Neck too much, though, can't you? You know that. <laughs> And that would be uh, Key's nickname for Bart Scott. I, I probably wouldn't call him that. Well, well Zoo, here's one for you. In 2011, on our way to getting the Super Bowl ring, ask Bart Scott who was one of the two teams that we had to beat at the end of the regular season to get into the tournament. Just go ahead and ask him next time he's in studio. All right. We'll do okay. that. We'll do okay. that. I know you got a show can't, to get I ready. I can't for. wait for that. <laughs> Speaking of can't wait, right? The old Bart. Can't wait, call. Can't wait to see uh, your program launch again this morning in 18 minutes on ESPN 98.7 in New York. Have a good weekend, and thanks for joining us this morning. All right, appreciate you guys. I'll let you. That's the Super Bowl champion. I'm sitting next to a Super Bowl champion. 
myself. We'll remind Bart of that the next time he appears. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including NFL insider Diana keep, Rossini with some I keep forgetting, Z, that he didn't – for some reason I keep attaching him to the Baltimore Ravens teams mm-hmm. that won Super Bowls. I don't know why. I just – you know, Bart Scott, Suggs, uh, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, I just keep – putting him in there even though he wasn't there. Yes, indeed. A Super Bowl champion with the Giants, and uh, the Giants seem about as far away from a Super Bowl right now as humanly possible. Still to come, the Big Ten was the first major league to say we're out. Now they're back in. Play starts tonight. What's the biggest thing their commissioners learned throughout the entire drama? We'll have that for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We will start with the return of the Big Ten. Tonight, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, a national title contender will get underway tomorrow. Michigan, Minnesota is where college game day will be. The league essentially saying if a game can't be played, a positive test, and a guy's out three weeks, it'll be a no contest, not a forfeiture. The other team's not going to win because the other team can't put guys on the field. A straight no contest. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren with... Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter last night on what the commissions learned since the postponement turned back into playing better late than never. We could have done a better job of really talking more about the great work that was being done in our conference to get us to this weekend. Uh, Like I said, it's been 72 days. We've accomplished a lot. I know that we've created an environment where our student athletes are so much more uh, healthier and safe as we go into the season. That's what Warren said to Scott Van Pelt. Key, you've been advocating the whole time. No football at any time. So does what he say in the 72 days and everything he learned, he's there, change your mind at all? It does because you you look at everybody's plan. What are you going to do? You can't – everybody's plan, the SEC, the ACC, the 
the WAC, the Big West, just everybody, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12 will be coming here soon. So you'll have a basic full slate of college football. Again, Illinois, Wisconsin tonight, Michigan, Minnesota college game day to start your Saturday. They'll play Saturday night on ABC and the return of Ohio State national championship hopes and a Heisman potential finalist in Justin Fields. They'll take on Nebraska. And for Keys Pac-12, they are back November 7th. So in a couple of weeks from now, the entire Power 5 structure will be back. Game three of the World Series. The World Series is back tonight after one off day, only the fifth off day of the playoffs. Dodgers raise series tied at one pregame coverage tonight, ESPN radio, 730 Eastern. The Dodgers will throw the young stud Walker Bueller to the bump. Dave Roberts with a clear indication when Walker is ready to walk out there. I think that just my time knowing Walker for all these years, um, he's just kind of easygoing always. And so I guess if he came in like Clayton on his start day, I would be a little bit more concerned. But uh, Walker just kind of comes in um, and kind of ramps up his uh, focus. But early on, he's just jovial. Well, early on is the key, right? Because in game two early on, they had to pull Gonsolin after one and a third. I expect Bueller to go a little bit longer tonight. What do you expect to see tonight? I do. I expect Walker Bueller to go longer, him to deal. This will be a pitching duel, but I think our bats will eventually get Charlie Martin out and chase him. I know he's had great postseason success, but it's our time. And when it's your time, you tend to deliver. And just a reminder, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Sport Clips. Remember being at Sport Clips, waiting for that great MVP haircut experience. How about Macon? That wait time even shorter now with on-deck text alerts. Get 15-minute heads up when it's time to head in and another text alert when you're next in line. Sport clips, it's good to be a guy. Now, let me ask you this. If you're a Rays fan right now, you look at this situation and say, look, we're tied at one apiece. Our best hitter, who hadn't been able to hit it all in the postseason, had the two biggest hits of his career I am a wondering from a guy that played football that plays once a week, but realizes hey. it's all about the roster. <laughs> hey, hey with, with those 17 checks come around, it's all good right now. Um, do you believe there is such a thing? This has been a big issue in baseball this year, especially with pitching. Do you believe in momentum in baseball? I do. I do believe in momentum. I believe in momentum in any sport. Okay. Cause a lot of people are saying in baseball, you know, no, I believe in momentum because if you look at when it happens, if you, if you are down and in late in innings, all of a sudden, you start to hit well or pitch well or whatever the case may be, and let's say, for instance, you lose that game. You carry that momentum into the next day. For whatever reasons, I do believe in it. So we'll see what happens tonight. Charlie Morton, we should mention again, key mention, great big post-game, uh, post-season pitcher. He was on the mound to record the final out of the Damn. 2017 World Series. Cheater. He was with the Astros at the time. They knocked off Key's Dodgers in Game 7. Key was in the house with his wife, the Dodgers could have tasted it. The next year, they get back to the World Series. They just get housed by the Red Sox. Then they More lose cheaters. to the Nats, who eventually won it. And now they're on the cusp of their first title since 1988. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including NFL insider Diana Rossini, with some interesting breaking news this morning on the Raiders. And I'm not just talking about moving their game from Sunday night to Sunday afternoon. There's some reasoning and rationale about that. And she'll have it for us coming up just a little bit later this morning. So we'll see pregame coverage tonight, 730 Eastern for game three of the World Series with all the numbers saying in a 1-1 tie, the team that wins game three goes on to win the whole thing. We'll see. Still to come. It's a little bit strange, right, for all NFL fans. For the first time in more than 20 years, we don't have a Manning out there every Sunday. So what's it like 
for Archie Manning, their proud papa. He'll join us. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.